When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Are we ready? I guess not. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. With Rami. My understanding is the Vikings would be very open-minded to trading Kyle if, big emphasis on the word if, if another organization, New England, Buffalo, Jacksonville, those are some of the teams that have had some level of interest going back multiple weeks in Kyle. Buffalo just got one hurt. Yeah, okay, and I mean, there's other teams. If the Vikings could get a third-round pick for Kyle, that's where the open-mindedness would come from. Yes. Oh, yes. so much of it. Let's start with some reckless speculation. Reckless speculation abound today. Mackie and Judd with Rami. Judd is in Las Vegas. He's. I. I he did do one of the morning Judd videos. He has uh, started the last couple weeks from the set of SpongeBob SquarePants. Apparently, there were is giant. That what that pi- was? There were giant pineapples everywhere. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> I was like, what was he? At least what it was wasn't doing? from his hotel bathroom again. Was it from his bathroom <laughs> yesterday? I thought that's what you said it looked like. Anyways. Well, he has done videos like from hotel yes. bathrooms before. He, do not put it past Judd Zilgat. People, the phone does not go in the bathroom. It's no place for a phone. Well, ho- some of these hotels in Vegas have the emergency phone in the bathroom. That's so another thing. Just like that's, attached to the wall. That's one. That's that's a whole other category. Yeah. Uh, but we digress. We are expected <laughs> to be joined by Ryan Saunders at 5 o'clock today. Top of hour number two. Mackie and Judd with Rami. But there's a report from Pro Football Talk that the Vikings and Kyle Rudolph have been discussing a five-year extension. And Kyle Rudolph has been publicly commenting on this. In fact, uh, Chad Graff talked to him for The Athletic, and I think a couple others did too. And just to paraphrase the vibe coming out of the Rudolph camp, he basically said, yeah, we want to get something done with the Vikings. Love it here, but... And this is almost a direct quote. I don't have the tweet in front of me. He said, but there's a bunch of other teams interested in me too, so... He just came out and said that? Yes, publicly. I thought, honest to God, I thought when the Kendricks thing was announced, I thought this was done. So I thought, did I. I thought, all right, well, Kyle's going to play one more year in his deal. And depending on how far into the tea leaves you want yeah, to here read. here it is. I'm looking at the tweet right now from Chad Graff. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry to interrupt. He said, uh, Kyle Rudolph said that his agent and the Vikings continue to work toward a new contract, but added, quote, with that being said, there's plenty of other teams that are interested as well. That's a quote from Kyle. That's a quote, yes. <laughs> yes. Um, so my read on this is the Vikings wanted to – 
give him one of those extensions that isn't really an extension. It's like, here's a five-year deal that's a two-year deal so that we can lessen your cap number now so yeah. we can sign draft picks before they went to Eric Hendricks. It comes with maybe another guaranteed year yep. and not a whole lot beyond that. And Rudolph is likely saying, well, I'm only 29 years old, and he's even said verbatim, I'm too young to take a pay cut. I'm not 34. I'm not like Chad Greenway when he was at the end of his career. Right. I feel like I'm in the middle of my career. I'll do a five-year contract extension, but it's got to be a five-year contract extension legitimately, or I'm I mean, not in on this. No five-year contract extension in the NFL is really legitimate. Like, most five-year extensions are a three-year deal. Right. but Maybe his, four. His leverage here would be, I won't go to training camp, and this doesn't happen with the Vikings. His his The next step to this would be, well, I'm not going to play on a lame duck one-year deal, especially knowing that. You know, you guys don't right. really want me around anyway, so right. I'm not going to damage my future value. This is where the business side of the NFL, the Vikings' goal is to win a Super Bowl. And the Vikings' goal is to yeah, but I don't know get why everyone at, back together. I don't know why at this point, up until now, I've been saying, I understand why both sides are operating the way that they've operated. I understand why the Vikings would have gone to Kyle Rudolph before the restructuring of Kendricks to to give them the cap room to get everybody in camp. Before that, I said, I understand why they'd go to him for a pay cut. He's a prime candidate for that. He's just, He fits the profile of NFL players whose teams go to him for a pay cut when they need to, to shave some money off the cap. And I said, I understand why Kyle Rudolph would approach it the way that he's approaching it because the market would be would be favorable to him because he would be the top free agent on the market and still pretty pretty young and and pretty productive and yeah. probably could be more productive in the right system with the right quarterback and the right coach. But once they restructured Kendricks, now you have Rudolph in your house for one more year. He can obviously help you win football games. We've been hearing about two tight end sets since Gary Kubiak got here and the importance of play action for Kirk Cousins and Gary Kubiak's system. I don't understand why this is still a thing. Like it, 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 Here's why it's a thing. And it's, and it's, of course it's a thing because the Vikings, whether it's an injury, it's rarely contract issues. It's always other drama, arrests or or Teddy Bridgewater blows his knee out. It can never be that everyone's just on the same page and ready to rock and you got the you got all twenty two guys that matter on the same wavelength. It, it, it's it's for whatever reason there's always something in the offseason here. But here's why it's a thing. We're only talking about it from the Vikings perspective. From the perspective of all right, yeah, got to ask someone to take a pay cut. Who's the most logical? Well, Rudolph's in that group, and he's not hes not old, but he's definitely nearing like the end of his prime, and so we're right. just looking at it from the Vikings' perspective. If you look at it from Rudolph's perspective, and he's on the record saying, I'm in the middle of my prime. I'm no, one of the best tight ends in the NFL. And he's being and he's being asked and talked about as if, well, you're kind of winding it down here, buddy. You should take a pay cut for the the good of the team. And he's thinking, pay cut. Wait a second, right? I'm going to be a free agent here pretty soon. I want a big time lucrative yeah. contract. Now that Gronk's out of the league, I just moved up another notch. He's thinking, wait a second. I want a new contract. I don't want to go in as a lame duck here in 2019. I want some security, right? So the, so if so if the two sides are coming from from no, no. that far apart what I'm saying is up until now I've understood why both sides were doing what they were doing. I understood Rudolph's argument that you just laid out and he still has that argument to make. Why are the Vikings still trying to make Kyle Rudolph take a pay cut at this point? I don't think they are. I think 
I think the Vikings are looking. I think I think this is probably a continuation of when they were asking him to take a pay cut. I think this is probably Kyle saying and his agent saying, "Oh, wait a second. Forget about like what you think of us. Here's what we think of ourselves. We have, and I'm saying we." Myself, the representative right, of Kyle is, Rudolph and Rudolph. Is, this is you, Kyle Rudolph's yeah. agent. Right. We have one year left on this contract, $7.6 million, okay? And my client is one of the best tight ends in the NFL. He does not deserve to go into the last year of his contract. He wants a long-term extension that reflects what his market value would be. So forget about everything else that has happened up until this point. Forget about the Vikings so having think, no money. You think now this this is Rudolph going to the Vikings and saying, I want an extension. That's what makes the most sense. That this isn't the Vikings trying to make cap room or save money at this point. It's a combination of the two. I'm sure the discussions started with, we got to save some money or we can't sign draft picks. And someone's got to but raise that's their over hand. now. All the draft picks are Correct. signed. Everybody's in camp, in OTAs. I mean... Everything's cool as far as the salary cap goes for 2019. And so now this is, again, this is my reading of the situation here. Reckless speculation. The reason why this is still a thing is because Kyle is saying, I want to be paid. I want to stay here. But in order to stay here, I want to be paid reflective of what my value would be on the market. And I don't want to go in to the last year of my contract. It doesn't make like... I oh, want well, security the, if right I'm, now. If I'm the Vikings, and that's what Kyle Rudolph and his agent are saying, I mean, unless they're open to giving him some sort of contract extension, I'd be like, yeah, that's not really something we want to discuss right now, man. We're going to play it out in 2019 and then uh, see what the market says. And it is something I would discuss for like the next two years, but it's not something I would discuss if the report is right. We're talking five years. Well, how much of those five years are legitimately? It's five years. If it's a five-year contract, and I do that with air quotes right now, but yeah. it's two or three years guaranteed, I might be interested in that if I'm the Vikings. But really, I'm probably leaning towards. Let's see what Irv Smith Jr. is in his rookie season, and right. maybe we don't really need Kyle Rudolph next year. So I want to just spin this into an article from BleacherReport.com. I believe this is Mike Tanya who wrote for Football Outsiders, and he's one of the great analytical football writers in the media right, right now. And he and this is actually a a quarterback article that starts with a Kyle Rudolph reference because of the Vikings cap situation up until a couple weeks ago. He writes, retaining Rudolph would give the Vikings their best chance to win this year, but doing so would also leave them with almost no financial flexibility and uh, cause cap headaches in future years. Yet trading or releasing him to save cap space would weaken a veteran roster that can't afford to backslide whatsoever after an eight seven and one finish. Welcome to the quarterback trap, Minnesota Vikings. You walked right into it last year when you signed Kirk Cousins to a fully guaranteed $84 million contract. Now you might have to gnaw off your tight end in a flailing <laughs> effort to escape. The quarterback trap is part catch-22, part carnivorous plant, part kindergarten finger puzzle. Its, it's mechanisms are simple. NFL teams cannot maintain success without excellent quarterback play. But excellent quarterback play is usually so expensive that it prevents NFL teams from maintaining success. So far, teams have discovered only two reliable escape routes from the quarterback trap. Number one, win before your quarterback becomes expensive, ideally while he's still under his rookie contract. Can I guess what number two is? Yep. Uh, Have a quarterback who dates one of the richest supermodels in the world so he's willing to take pay cuts. The uh, number two one exactly worded is employ Tom Brady. (laughs) So there you are. And so I guess my argument to that would be the, when the Vikings signed cousins, the biggest fear was 
Well, they're going to have all these guys coming up for contracts. This young nucleus or this nucleus that some of these guys are in their prime. Anthony Barr, Everson Griffin, Xavier Rhodes, Adam Thielen, uh, Trey Waynes, Kyle Rudolph. That you're not going to be able to keep all those players. You're going to have to say, like, to get Kirk Cousins on on the books for those three years, you're going to have to say goodbye to one of these. And you know what? They haven't had to. They haven't had to say goodbye to any of those players. They've worked cap wizardry, and they've pushed bonuses over here and smoothed out extensions over there, and they haven't had to say goodbye to any of those guys. So if, like, I don't even, I don't even think the Vikings can be criticized for signing Kirk Cousins from that perspective because they were able to keep all their key players during the Cousins contract. And so the decision you have to make is, do you want a proven commodity at quarterback or do you want a draft pick that you roll the dice on? Because there really is no middle ground. If you're a proven commodity quarterback in the NFL, you make $30 million now. That's the market value. Right. And so if you want to go the other way to avoid the quarterback trap, it's draft somebody and pray that you can win in the first four years, that they're good enough and that the rest of your so roster you is good enough. you never pay a quarterback? Or you win and then you pay him and then you figure it out like the Seahawks are doing right now. Right. Right? Yeah. I mean, you almost have no choice because you can't, if you find a franchise quarterback, you can't just cut him loose after four or five years and say, yeah, he's great, but you know what? We we can't give up 18% of our cap for one guy. We just don't think, we don't think that we can, fans aren't going to be okay with that. They're not going to be like, oh, you got a plan? Cool. Like this doesn't fit into your into, into your financial structure. Yeah. Awesome, you go ahead and let Aaron Rodgers walk. But isn't let that Pat like, Mahomes go? Like the Cowboys right now are making this exact decision. It's just that the difference is when the Vikings had to make it. It was do we sign a free agent for thirty million dollars? The see, Cowboys had one that they drafted. They haven't won yet with Dak Prescott, and now they have to pay him like thirty million dollars. Do you want to make? Do you want to put? A thirty million dollar or let's let's use it from a percentage of cap standpoint. Do you want to tie up? 15 to 20% of your salary cap or whatever the number is on a 53 man roster with one guy who might only be like the 15th best out of 32 at his position. That's what I was just about to say. I don't get the sense. Part of what I'm talking about here is, is, is fan reaction. Like if say the Packers let Aaron Rodgers go in his prime, can you imagine the reaction from Packers fans? They would revolt or say in like two years, the chiefs are just like, yeah, Patrick Mahomes too rich for our blood. That would be a death sentence to their ticket sales, and and right. But don't you think Rogers Rogers is in a different area of this conversation? That like Rogers That's and Cousins make similar money. I don't get the sense that Cowboys fans would would storm the castle if they let Dak Prescott walk. I think I th- maybe maybe a a a section of of Cowboys fans would, but I don't think that it would be the end of the world. For Cowboy Nation, if that's a thing. I don't think it would be the end for them. It, I think it, it's Cowboy Universe. Ca- Cowboy Universe? Something what? like that. Cowboy World? Cowboy World. No, that sounds like an adult film store. <laughs> Whatever. In the in the, in the the Bohoonies. It could be, bo- could be both. But regardless, I, I, don't th- I don't think that they would be, there would be a revolt amongst Cowboys fans had they, had they, if they let Dak Prescott walk. I think a lot of Cowboys fans would get that. They would understand that. But if you really have like, a top-notch quarterback, a top-tier quarterback, you have no choice but to sign him and keep him. I mean, here's here's what's crazy. The, the We've now gone up into the $30, $35 million uh, range with the Russell Wilsons, the Roethlisbergers. It doesn't matter how good you are. If you are a starting, if you are a proven starting quarterback, if, whether that's the best starting quarterback or the 20th best starting quarterback, whether it's Aaron Rodgers or Andy Dalton, when you're next in line, you reset the mark. 
If you're Matthew Stafford or Kirk Cousins, you reset the mark. If you're Dak Prescott, he might not reset the mark, but he'll be close to the top of the mark, right? Right. So it's basically, here's a flat rate for a proven quarterback. That's the way the the financials work in the NFL. And so you're paying almost the same amount of money for the 15, for a league average quarterback as you would for a top quarterback. And I don't, I think I'm, I might, I might shy away from doing that. That's I, what I, the Vikings did. I know. I'd be more trigger shy to pay a quarterback top market money than, than I think a lot of teams are today. But you know what's crazy about this? We were just talking last week on Purple Daily on about a, a an article at The Athletic, which was a, a look at the dark web of analytics in the NFL because analytics are starting to take over the NFL like they already have baseball and basketball. And if you break it down by expected points added, which is that's basically the NFL's version of war almost, the the quarterback, like take Russell Wilson's contract, for example, it's almost exactly 20% of the Seahawks salary cap. And if you look at the expected points added of a quarterback and weigh it against every other position on the roster, the analytics say he might be getting underpaid. That he's still not getting paid for his share of, of the wins or what he contributes to wins in a, in a given week or in a given season. That's what's crazy about the quarterback position. That's how crucial it is to the success of a football team. But his wins or his points added is much higher, I would think, than, Kirk than Cousins. Dak Prescott or, Dak or Kirk Prescott. Cousins. Yes, absolutely. And yet they're, they're going to be paid... In the ballpark, similarly, right? I mean, they're both going to be paid right. 35, 30 to $35 million. So if in general, like I, the Vikings had to do what they had to do. The Vikings, they had a bunch of great defensive players in their prime. They were coming off a big playoff run, and they just needed something that they could trust. That we, This guy's going to get 4,000 yards. He's going to complete 65% of his passes. He's not going to be a train wreck. And so they paid 30, they paid $30 million a year to avoid a train wreck. Because Case Keenum has some train wreck resume spots, right? He had one last year. But in general, if the choice is pay top dollar for a league average proven commodity quarterback or roll the dice on four years of a draft pick and just try to build out the rest of your roster, I'm rolling the dice on a draft pick. I'm rolling the dice that I can find the next Russell Wilson, that I can find the next... I mean, Dak Prescott, if you put... The Vikings defense, like if Dak Prescott was the Vikings quarterback these last four years with that defense and extra resources to get an offensive lineman here or there, that's a Super Bowl contender. It is, but obviously you got to find the Dak Prescott in the draft. You got to find the Russell Wilson in the draft. Yeah. But or you're a not first gonna, round pick. And you're going to miss. You're going to, like, if, let's say you just decide, I'm never paying a quarterback top money. Never going to do it. Just not doing it. It's against company policy. And you're gonna just and you're gonna you're gonna draft a quarterback every five years when his when that guy's rookie contract runs up. No matter what he ever does, the policy can't be never. The policy has to be, I will never pay a non top six quarterback that kind of money or whatever that whatever your line that you would draw. Right. I will never pay the twelfth best quarterback that kind of money because otherwise you'll be lucky to have five good years of quarterback play in like a. 25, 30 year stretch. Yeah, you're eight. You're just locked in at eight and eight basically. I'm speaking as a Bears fan who's never had a quarterback. <laughs> Got my whole life without a quarterback. <laughs> it hurts. It really hurts. Poor Rami. I know, man. It's you watch Mitch Trubisky compared to all the other Bears quarterbacks the last thirty years, and it's like watching Joe Montana in the nineteen eighties. Like the greatest quarterback in the history of the Bears is Jay Cutler. I mean, no love for Sid Luckman. He's better than Sid Luckman. Jay Cutler is better than Sid Luckman. I don't know. Fight me. Sid Luckman rolled out well to his left. 
<laughs> At least so the- a while back before we did the switch over, we had, I believe, Chris Long in, and it was Chris Long, Manny, and I, and we were discussing just bad quarterback play. And I was going through pro football reference to see when the last time the Bears had a quarterback who threw single digit interceptions in a season. It was before World War II. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't need to know that. So, like a full season, single digit interceptions, you're yeah, saying? Before World War II. How hard is that, really? To just, hey. Aaron we Rogers don't care what you do on, year. on the upside. Just don't throw 10 interceptions. We want to set the new record for the Bears. <laughs> Dan Hayes is going to join us from The Athletic to talk about the first place Minnesota Twins, who came back again last night. A couple more home runs last night. The Twins are so good. This dude they just called up from the minor leagues, who has like five home runs ever in professional baseball. He he's, hits a bomb last he's night. He's too good to ever send back down. <laughs> <laughs> So we'll talk to Dan Hayes and Ryan Saunders. We're hoping he'll join us at the top of the next hour. We are sitting in the TCL studios, Mackie and Judd with Rami. There's not another 4K TV on the market that has more streaming content than this TV. The Roku platform has the most streaming channels like Netflix, Amazon Prime, Hulu, which now has live sports. That's right. Blending two ads into one right here. HBO Now, movies and TV episodes. If you're a sports fan, you get dozens and dozens of sports channels and platforms And it's super easy. You just toggle back and forth between cable or satellite, whatever it is that you subscribe to, and uh, your streaming channels, all with one easy-to-use Roku remote control. Tons of free content, Hollywood blockbusters, live TV and sports, health, fitness, yoga channels, and maybe even some posture channels for guys like Rami. It works. Looking to slouch less on Purple Daily live stream. I'm slouching like a slob right now, but when I want to sit up, I'm yeah. very able to now. Yeah, you can, uh, you can flip that switch. You're like the Lakers, really. You flip the switch whenever you want to. You're the like Warriors. LeBron. I'm like the Warriors. Well, I was it like the, the Lakers used to talk about that 15 years ago. Oh, okay. We'll just flip the switch. Rami's posture. Just flip the switch. You can flip the switch on a TCL TV at any major local retailer here in the Twin Cities or go to TCLUSA.com. A drive to right field and deep. Arias has hit his first Major League home run. What a moment for the rookie. Mackie and Judd with Rami on the all-new Score North. Judd is in a sports book somewhere putting his entire life savings on the Twins <laughs> for October. Dan Hayes from The Athletic. That would really be cutting the brakes. Well, we'll see if Judd gets a couple beers in <laughs> and does it up here. Uh, Dan Hayes, is it happening? Hey, uh, doing well. Is it is is it happening? Oh, oh, that, uh, sorry, are, I don't know. That's a good question. I, <laughs> it, it sure is a it sure is a, a weird. Just nobody knows how to handle this right now, do they? It's it's it so is weird. weird how it's, it is. Like everything, there was like this dark cloud following them around last year. The first uh, I don't know two months or so, and now it's just the exact opposite of that. And. So it, I don't know if people know how to handle it, especially with you, you think about like the bad weather they played in and how terrible the, the, uh, home, uh, audiences were like just the energy, the first few weeks, like that's the kind of stuff that can like zap a team a little bit just because you're playing in front of, you know, 12,000 fans at the most, but it was freezing. So why would people go? I get that. And, and yet they played through it. They've just sort of had this, I don't care attitude about everything, even the Yankee stadium curse and, and it's really reflective of the way they played. Yeah, I feel like they they had a plan, Dan, and 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 they knew that they could be good, but they probably didn't expect every single thing to go right. It's like it's like when even when you put together a plan, you go, "All right, of the 10 things we have planned, like 7 of them might work." But this is like 
10 out of 10 things that were in the plan all working out for the Minnesota Twins. They couldn't have even expected this, could they? No, they couldn't have. I mean, I you know, you, you expect some things to go right um, just off track records, but there were about 9 or 10 things that had to bounce back. I mean, that not just go right, but bounce back from abysmal seasons, and they've all basically turned around right now. It's incredible. I mean, it's just, it, it, it's probably way too good, and we have to expect <laughs> that they they can't go 32 and 16 every 48 games. But um, I mean, man, the, the idea that there's 49 left against the White Sox, the Royals, and the Tigers sure builds in some kind of leeway for when you play bad and have uh, some games to have a much uh, inferior opponent playing you. So you have is this your third year now covering the Twins? No, this is only my second. Okay, but you but there's been enough changes in the clubhouse with a new manager and new veteran players brought in with Nelson Cruz and Jonathan Scope, etc. What are CJ Crone? What are some of the biggest differences behind the scenes from what you can observe last year compared to this year? Well, the one thing that stuck out to me and and I will go to bat for Paul Mauder any day of the week because I do think he was prepared and intelligent and open-minded on the analytics. I don't really think that was his his fault that they had all the injuries they had. But I do think that Bronco Baldelli has connected with the young guys really well. Uh, the Byron Buxtons, the Keplers, the Polancos, those guys don't have any questions. And, and they, they just have confidence right now. And obviously it helps when you win, but they have that confidence in spring training. I think Baldelli going in person to meet Buxton and Sano in the offseason was a really big deal, just kind of making sure the line of communication was open. And I think when you have those guys confident and not questioning things, and then you bring in such a steady presence of veterans around them. I mean, even if Jonathan Scope's coming off a terrible year, he knows he's good, and he's got Marwin Gonzalez and Nelson Cruz right there to tell him that. You know, And you got Cruz, who is so steady, and he works – tirelessly and he knows how to take care of himself and that seems to be a theme with this team is the rest and recovery model uh, Rocco Baldelli has really pushed that I just think everything has kind of put in and vibed well together and and then you have guys that were on the side who are totally buying in because they just like what they're seeing I mean Jake Odorizzi and, and Kyle Gibson are uh, both free agents after this season and yet they're buying on this team is incredible and and it's it's very obvious and Mitch Garver in that first week or two losing playing time to Williams Astadio and saying well but it's okay I mean the guy's so special you know you don't have guys that really say that kind of stuff when they're losing playing time to somebody else but you get the the buy-in to the team sense very much from this group and I think a lot of people do sometimes overplay the the influence of a manager on clubhouse culture, atmosphere, tone, whatever you want to call it, Dan. But yeah. I, I do think that because there is the notion that winning creates chemistry. But I, I, I felt, and I wasn't even there, I was just reading and listening and, and, and getting word from guys like you what was going on in spring training. There was definitely a tone set from the beginning by Rocco Baldelli and some of those veterans that they brought in that you just talked about of professional but loose. Like, let's let's have fun, be ready to play, but let's have fun. Yeah, absolutely. I think they knew the thing that really was going to work for this team was letting natural abilities come out and not worry about uh, a bad game or three bad games and, and just, you know, you're not going to lose your spot in the lineup for that. And I think that's really helped with a lot of the young guys. So 
in that regard, I do think it was a, a big deal. And, and I'm, you know, this is my 13th season as a beat writer, and I'd say one other manager has come in and kind of put that loose atmosphere in a clubhouse um, where it was this effective. You know, Robin Ventura followed up Ozzie Guillen, and that was much needed in 2012. But, you know, he had a professional veteran group there that probably had just gotten tired of Ozzie and being a little volatile. But, you know, Bud Black came in and did something very similar to this with the Padres in 2007, and guys just kind of took over. Like, Adrian Gonzalez had not reached his peak yet. He had not even started to tap into it, and he plays for Bud Black, and he discovers this amazing game, and he should have been MVP in 2010. I, I, I just think that the people skills aspect of it has been realized here, and when you have a young group like this, that was critical. I mean, you've got a bunch of guys that probably were sitting there thinking that you know they, they didn't know um, what way was kind of up. If, if they had a couple bad games, were they going to end up on the bench? And Baldelli's basically said it, that we're not going to see Max Kepler get pinch hit for against a left-handed pitcher for like, Two years, and, you know, like that's that's where he's at with him. He doesn't want him to have a question in his mind, and I do think that that is valuable when you have guys that are this talented but haven't yet realized it, and in helping them realize it. Dan Hayes from the Athletic, he covers the Minnesota Twins. You can follow his work uh, and subscribe at theAthletic.com. Are we out of the woods officially with Byron Buxton? Do you think? I man, it's hard not to think so. I mean, it, it's just. The confidence is is there, and it, it the fact that he hit that home run in April, and I remember I, I told him I was like, "Did you know that was your first home run before May one?" And he he couldn't believe it, but he could believe it. Um, and you know, asking him about a seven sixty five OPS on May one, and and never having been above for his career like four seventy. You know, he he just I think he needed that start to get over the hump. He said that last year um, was probably necessary for him to come in with this chip on his shoulder and and he has wrote it and the thing is is that he knows he's valuable just by getting on base he knows he's valuable if he's in the field and he's learned to kind of dismiss the bat at bats and and he's gonna have them i mean he's still a swing and miss guy but i think he's attacking earlier and and getting the less two strike counts and that's helping him a lot just because he's not trying to guess towards the end of an at bat at what's coming and and when he hits the ball he's been hitting it really hard it's uh it's one of those things that I think helps build. It's like winning helps build momentum, but he's needed this because he's been a slow starter for his entire career and finishes strong. And, and the fact that he's started pretty well here, like 850 OPS, that, that bodes very well for this team, I think. Talking with Dan Hayes from The Athletic. He covers the Twins, but uh, writes about other things as well, including <laughs> the feud between Frazier and Eaton, which came to a head recently. That was very fascinating. The whole thing about the 2016 White Sox, I, I knew it was bad. I didn't know it was that bad, Dan. But Frazier says that all 23 of the other guys in the locker room know what he's talking about when it comes to Adam Eaton. And I saw a clip of uh, Ozzie Guillen on NBC Sports in Chicago basically backing that up. I think, and this is a direct quote, he said, that whole locker room hated you, Adam Eaton, looking into the camera, speaking directly <laughs> to Adam Eaton. What did he do? Like, what was, I don't, I didn't see in the article the exact incident that alienated Frazier and the rest of that Sox locker room. Was there one thing? Oh, no, I don't think there's one thing. Okay. I, I can tell you there were fights, like maybe five, six fights with different players, and that was just that year alone. Like, All involving Adam Eaton? 
Oh, well, no, no, no. Oh, okay, the, the all right. Clubhouse, the clubhouse had more fights. He personally was involved in like five of them. So he, oh, wow. he's just sort of, yeah, I know. He's sort of, you know, it, first of all, it's weird because he's a great media personality. And it's something I've learned after the fact is, you know, sometimes the great media personalities, they're that for a reason. They're great with you guys to, to you know, with us to cover up for some inequities maybe in the personality. <laughs> I'm wondering if that's the case because, man, he was fantastic always there but that's the other part frazier is also always there and uh but from what i heard frazier is not you know alone in, in like you said ozzy said at 23 uh or basically everybody is is kind of glad adam eaton is out of chicago but the thing is is that um it was just a, such a contentious clubhouse i mean you had so much going on and I feel bad for all the White Sox fans that read that just because I'm sure some of the PTSD from that season has come back. <laughs> I mean, uh, you, like, imagine being on social media and reporting this stuff. Right. When, when the LaRoche stuff happened, man, I hid from Twitter for like three days because it was just like you couldn't say anything without like 30,000 people attacking you for stuff they didn't know about. It was, it was so nasty and, and contentious. And so you just had this this incident and you know some of our other reporters have been talking to former 2016 team members today and reporting back the stories that they've heard you know just bsing with guys off the record and um yeah it was a fun fun team apparently and adam eaton was really involved in a lot of stuff there so not surprised at the reaction (laughs) yeah yeah I, i would guess there were at least five or six fights that he was involved in and probably about 10 overall between the club but that's one thing Robin Ventura did a great job at. It was keeping it kind of quiet from us because I found all this stuff out, you know, well after Eaton was gone. And and I'm sure that part of that was, hey, let's keep his trade value up and not let people on to what he is in the clubhouse. And uh, they got a good deal for him. I mean, they turned Hector Santiago, who was a swing man at the time, into Eaton, which turned into Giolito, Ronaldo Lopez, and, and Dane Dunning, who they're hoping are three starters for them for a long time. Yeah, that's that's not a bad deal. You can check out the article. It's at The Athletic. That's Dan Hayes. Of course, he covers the Twins for The Athletic, and he's been our guest for the last few minutes here on Mackie and Judd with Rami. Appreciate it, Dan. Thanks a lot. See you, Dan. Hey, thanks, guys. All right. Uh, yeah, that's great stuff. It's yeah. a fascinating story. And if you're a Twins fan, you got to enjoy reading oh, about White Sox dysfunction. I think that was, uh, I think one of those years with Adam Eaton was the all-in tagline for the White Sox. Oh, really? Their, their preseason tagline was, we're oh. all in. <laughs> Apparently And they not. lost like 95 games. <laughs> And we're as dysfunctional as any baseball team along the way. As a as a former poker player myself, it's like having your sunglasses on and your hood up, and you confidently push all your chips in the middle on a bluff, and your opponent snap calls you with like a royal. Flag. Like, <laughs> I, I forgot about the LaRoche story. I'm all in. I call. I got to pull off. Oh, I'm bluffing. The whole thing with his son. His yeah, son so, had his own stall in the so, in the locker room. So was it Chris Sale and some other players? Or players were mad well, that they, his son was like. They told his son was basically he would like he was like in the locker room before games after games he'd go out and like warm guys up like yeah. he had a jersey he had a stall in the locker room he was part of the team and some players had a problem with it no, well I think only a couple players had a problem with it I'm guessing one of them was Adam Eaton because the vast majority of the locker room there's one quote I forget who it was I could probably pull it up and find it real quick the, there was an upheaval there was like an uprise against Kenny Williams and Ken and uh and and Han after after they told him that his son couldn't be around the team as much one person on the team 
called a 14-year-old boy a leader. Here it is. I have it right here. Uh, Eaton went on a Chicago radio show and said, we lost a leader in Drake, which is crazy enough that a 14-year-old could be looked at like that, but the kid was so tremendous. The State of the White Sox franchise, the leader in your clubhouse, is a 14-year-old who eats (laughs) Hot Pockets and plays Xbox. No offense, Jonathan. I was going to say, sounds like my kind of leader. <laughs> Jonathan will follow that person through the gates of hell. I'm running through a wall for that kid. That is Jonathan's Newt Rockney, his Vince Lombardi. Amazing. Uh, all right, you have a list. We've got to come up with a name yes. for what's happening yes. with the Minnesota Twins. Yes. I They're have, hitting so many home runs. I've brainstormed nicknames for this Twins team. Okay. One, of, one of them we already tested, and and it got a good reaction. Was that on, Bomb Squad? On the Score North Twins show, Bomb Squad. I feel like we need something that that when you say it, it's it applies to the Twins. Like, it's, you know, people know that that's the Twins. All right. Like, Bomb Squad I don't know could if be... I, I, don't, I don't remember if I... I came up with five or six. I don't remember if any of them are directly Twins. They're all home run related. I don't know that I made them Twins related. Okay. So you might want to just ignore me. No, it's okay. Well, let's go through them and see if it sparks. All right. Also, two quick plugs real quick here. We have a five-day-a-week twin show. It's called the Score North Twin Show, and you can find it on demand anywhere you find your favorite podcast. You can just search Score North Twin Show on Apple or Spotify, but the place we recommend you listen to it and the place that helps us the most at Score North as a brand-new brand here the last four months is when you download the Score North mobile app free in the Apple and Google Play stores. You can listen live to Score North, on demand to all of our podcasts, and read wonderful written content from the Judd Zolgads, Matthew Collars, Danny Cunningham, Derek Wetmore, etc. Just go to uh, just go to your app store and type in Score North. I had North. The, the list of nicknames for the twins in, in a photo, so I was scrolling through my photos to get to it, and I had to go through all our baby filter pictures together. Oh. <laughs> so creepy. Although the one you used for Jonathan didn't seem to work. No, that's Jonathan with the baby face filter on. That's Did just... you not see me last night? I responded to him with a side-by-side. I took I, no, it I twice. I was like, this not thing isn't working. I was like, this isn't... But that's... <laughs> it, like, there's no change when you put his face through the baby face filter. It's amazing. Like It, it gets rid of the sleepy bags, and that's about it. That's about it. And it like made, it made Jonathan look older, actually. <laughs> it's weird. The opposite effect. Man, Luther Brookdale Toyota. By the way, uh, Ryan Saunders, we're expecting a call from him in about 15 or 20 minutes as well. So LutherBrookdaleToyota.com, right on the front page, has a very easy search function. You put in the details that you want. You click search and voila, whether it's new, pre-owned, you name it. And and bada bing, you get a bunch of search options. And so what I like to do is, because I was told by a wise person, Steve, inside the service department at Luther Brookdale Toyota, that... 80% of Toyotas that are on the road 20 years ago are still on the road today because they're durable. You get a great uh, group of people working on your vehicles at Luther Brookdale Toyota. So I like to look at the pre-owned vehicles just to see the great value and the great deals out there. Like there's a 2011 Corolla right now with just 77,000 miles going for $94.95. You can get into a 2014 Camry LE with just 72,000 miles on it for $12,995. Luther Brookdale Toyota and LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. Tamper right side. And a misplay by the Angels, and the Twins will score two. Flip. A drive to right field and deep. Arias has hit his first Major League home run. What a moment for the rookie. Man, Twins, is it 16 games over 500 now? 16 yes. games over 500. 
And I believe this is the largest division lead they've had before June 1st in the history of their franchise. Yeah, somebody tweeted me the other day, like, hey, slow down. They're only four and a half games up on the Indians. Four and a half games in the, in the middle of May? That's yeah. Pretty, that's, that's a sizable lead to build by the middle of May. Are you scoreboard watching? Like, are you doing the... Uh, oh, I'm from... Like the Indians played a day game today. Do you guys want to know? I start. I yeah, look they at, lost. I look at the standings on opening day. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not Derek Wetmore who pretends not to look at him until June first. I. I. I look at him from day one. Wins in April mean as much as wins in October. Do you Are know you what magic number counting? Not quite yet. Wait till the All Star break. I think he's at like one oh nine. Do you guys know what their lead in the division is right right now as of this exact moment? I think I do know. Five games. No. No. Six. No. Whoa. Six and a half. Seven. Seven. Wow. Wow. Cut those breaks, ladies and gentlemen. Seven. Cut all the breaks. Cut the emergency break. Seven. And the Indians are above 500. The Indians are an above 500 team and trail the Twins by seven games in the American League Central. Think about that for a moment. Amazing. We did this on Score North Live earlier. Have you seen the last three weeks of the season who they face? Like pitcher-wise or team-wise? No, team-wise. Have you, you've lined up all the pitchers for the last week of the season? No, goodness, goodness no. It's <laughs> it's the division. It's the bottom part of the division. It's the White Sox, Tigers, and Royals? Yeah. Oh, my. We're gonna win, twins. We're gonna score. Line them up. Bunch of W's. Eat those W's. But you know what? They might lose a bunch those of those w's. games. <laughs> okay, Jameis. All right. Okay. It's somehow even lamer when you do it than when Jameis Winston did. Because I'm using a fork and a knife. He literally to cut my just, knuckles off. He literally just mimed cutting his own hand <laughs> to eat a W. Some fun twins facts real quick here. The twins have the second best winning percentage in all of baseball, behind only the Houston Astros. The Astros have played one extra game and have the one extra win. So the Astros are 33-16. and 16. The Twins are 32-16. and 16. The Twins have the second-best run differential, for sure in the American League, behind only the Astros. And yes, in all of baseball, they have the second-best run differential at plus 81. And if you're wondering in baseball, like, what's a fluke, what's not... Generally, if you have a really good record and a bad run differential, it means that the record is the thing that's a fluke, not right. the run differential. See the Seattle Mariners. Right. Are yes. you outscoring teams is the is the biggest question. And uh, the answer is yes. It's a plus 81 for the Minnesota Twins. Amazing. So fun Twins fact. That's a huge run differential at this point. That's ridiculous. To have an 82, 80, plus 82 run differential by May, that's insane. So what are we going to name this this squad? Well, I have some ideas, Phil Mackey. Funny you should ask. And uh, I ran some of those ideas by Dustin Morse, their head of uh, player and media relations, a couple days ago on the uh, Score North Twins show, the first place Score North Twins show. You can, did, uh, did he give you any? Uh... Yeah, he gave me a little bit of feedback. And okay. I, I told him ahead of time, look, this is a brainstorming session, man. I'm just throwing stuff at the wall. So some of them are going to be bad. And I'm going to tell you and the listeners of Mackey and Judd with Rami the very same thing. Some of these are bad. All right. Don't at me. At Rami is tweeting. I don't want to hear it. Don't at me. Don't at me. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to see it. So here's what I've come up with. Um, the tater tots. These are all home run related. Tater tots or tater twins. The tater tots. Feels like combining two things that are really good into one thing that doesn't make sense. Okay. You know, it's right. like like ketchup and jelly or okay. something. I don't know. Um, what the, was the other one? Tater tots? Tater, tater twin, twins? Tater twins. Tater twins feels too much like the piranhas. 
It's like, eh. Okay. The Piranhas was a great nickname. That's it what was. they called the early 2000s. It was like the, actually, it was specifically the 2006 Twins. It was very much for that team and how they played. Yeah, they had slappy hitters in the 8, 9, 1, and 2 spots, and they called those guys the Piranhas because they just, like, get on base and wreak havoc and like, go first to third, and Nick Punto was their third baseman, normally a power position, and... So we, we need something that's like piranhas. What else do you got in the bag? All here? right. Um, the touch em all twins. Okay. You don't like any of these. You're not going to like these. <laughs> I'm <laughs> well, already, you're just already conceding. I'm already getting offended. Mean? I'm getting offended. That's all. Well, you said they uh, were going to be bad. You <laughs> prefaced the whole thing by saying these are mostly going to be terrible. You warned us they were bad, and then when we reacted negatively, you, <laughs> you got guys, upset. You guys could be nice to me. Sense. You guys could just be nice. They're to great, me. Rami. Right. They're fantastic. I don't even want to say this next one. Go ahead. No, just I don't go. Want, I don't want to say it. The Goner Gang. <laughs> the go- oh, shouldn't have said the, that. The Goner Gang? Goner Gang. I feel like that's an STD club in college or something. <laughs> the, the Goner Gang. All right. How about this one? This one's a little better, I think. The Big Fly Boys. Come on. Big Fly? Big Fly Boys? The Big Fly Boys. The Big Fly Boys. The Big Fly Boys. Yes. That's like an early 90s R&B group. Yeah, that's what I was thinking when I came up with it. Right, yeah. It's like if Boys to Men had... you know, you've got Backstreet right. Boys and NSYNC, and it's like the fourth boy band that never made it. And then the I got Big the, Fly Boys. And then I just got the Bomb Squad. That's it. Those are the five. Those are the five that I have. Of all of those, the Bomb Squad is the best. Yeah. And the rest are terrible. Based on your reactions. Some more. Right. You're in, Jonathan's just <laughs> going to fly outside. I don't like you guys. <laughs> I don't even like you guys. I wish I was telling Ross Brendel, our, our promotions manager, mm-hmm. before we went on the show today, I said, the only thing missing from this team right now, besides Craig Kimball, is if they had, like, if there was a couple fun, like, gimmicky things that players did. Like, if, like, Edwin Encarnacion does the arm raise, like, the parrot thing around the bases. Yeah. Craig Kimball does oh, the, love a good the dangling arm yeah. over here. Yeah. There's really no one that flips their bat. In a, uh, Troy Hunter used to flip his bat. Jock Jones used to flip his bat. You know what I like? It's some more it, pizzazz. It's become a trend in, in baseball in terms of celebrations over the last, I don't know, I would say five years or so. When a guy gets on base and he turns to the dugout and does some sort of hand signal. like You, you uh, just did like the uh, Michael Jackson thriller. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is one that thing. I've seen guys do. I've seen that. But I always like that. Or last year, like who I think it was the Cubs, actually. They just waved to the dugout, like really nonchalant. Like they just smile and wave to the dugout. Like they just saw their mom at the bus stop. I like that. What if it was just like you hold a conversation between your two hands like puppets? <laughs> Something like that. No? I love it. Or maybe like you put your hands up like you're like you're climbing up to a windowsill and you peek over the top. Or they need to have a thing. I agree. They should have a thing. We need to come up with that thing for the twins. That's our mission here. The next the rest of the week. We got to come up with a name. You know what? Tweet us your examples. Do we have any assurances that they'll actually adopt this and use it? Doesn't matter. It's just something that we can all adopt here. Okay. On the Mackie and Jeb with Rami show. I'm not not brainstorming anymore. Wild sort of listened once. We've got some poll. No, the Wild for sure did. We had a year long campaign to get. They had these weird goal celebration. And I think they might have gone back. They did go back. It's disappointing. So, like, their goal celebration song was. uh, It's. So like they've got like nine teams were delivered this and said, here's your goal celebration song. Yeah. Right. And we said, what if it was something more That's fun? the equivalent of like stock photos that you can find on yes. the internet and yes. use without copyright infringement. And we said, you need something that really gets the crowd fired up. Something that's more unique. And- I like that. 
ode to joy throughout the arena. Like and then, like, you could score a goal and conduct, and there will be lights. Yeah. yeah. And so they did play it at their outdoor game for one of the goal celebrations. <laughs> just one? So we, did, we do have some influence on this show. They did it on just one goal? Well, we're not the flagship. I mean, for that to even happen was probably, somebody might have gotten fired. I'm done brainstorming. I'm not throwing any more ideas out there. Are well, you getting ripped on Twitter I now? Feel, no, I just feel insulted by you guys. Oh, be creative, Rami. Throw it out there. There are no bad ideas. Except for yours. We didn't say there was no bad ideas. <laughs> you said there was no bad ideas. You also prefaced that they were bad ideas. Shut up. Tweet us your ideas so we can mostly, <laughs> mostly crap on them. At Rami is tweeting at Phil Mackey, at Jay Zolgad, at Score North, SKOR North. Ryan Saunders. You know what? Let's have him send us some ideas when we come back here for what to name. What, should we just ask him twins questions for 10 minutes? That would be awesome. You might actually enjoy that. <laughs>